All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 138. It is Tuesday night. We're here. Love to talk to you about all the things happening in college football. My name is Bob Ankhieri. As always, you can uh, join us here by hitting request from the Twitter app on your phone. It's in the bottom left. Every Tuesday night, we'd like to talk to you about what's going on in college football. There's lots of things. Looks like we have someone who already wants to join us. So let's go ahead and let up Wild Things CBB. I'm going to go ahead and add you right now. But yeah, so welcome, everybody. Let's talk some college football. You can bet on it. Well, don't actually bet on it if you're a player, but, you know, we can talk. What's going on? Hey, you're up here. Wild Thing. Is that me? I'm yeah, on? that's you. Sorry, I was reading your... Uh... <laughs> I was reading your username. What's going on? Oh, sorry about that. Uh, okay, so I wanted to talk real quick about the Clemson football team. And I know that we got the uh, the new OC there. And everybody's really high on us. I don't know if you saw, but RG3 picked us to not only make the playoff, but win the championship, which I thought was wild. Uh They're, they're very weak, in my opinion. And I want to hear your opinion on this. Uh, at the receiver position and still like very unproven on the defensive line as well. And my last thing that I would like to hear from you is uh, I'm a big Phil Moffa guy. I would love Moffa to get more touches. And is there a reason to like move Will Shipley out of the, the primary running back position and make him more like a flex type guy and let Mafa be more of the guy who lugs the mail. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. And that's my question. You know, that's a, that's a great question. Cause obviously Clemson, you know, it's hard. I, I mean, they've had a down, you know, you got a down year with Clemson and it's still Dabo as a head coach. And I think head coach makes a huge difference in terms of, of quality of a football team from year to year and, and how well they bounce back. I get why they're being rated high. I mean, you know, it wasn't the, I mean, last season wasn't terrible. I mean, yeah. Okay. You lose orange bowl. You win 11 games. It looks like their only real rival in the ACC is Florida state. Cause I'm Florida state. Can I, can I, can I, please, please, please. Sorry. Sorry. My other thing was everybody's so high on Florida state and I get it. Cause Jordan Travis is amazing, but we did beat them by two scores last year should have been probably like three scores at their place and they're in the valley this year and everyone's picking florida state that i've seen to win the league so sorry that's my last thing no no that's that's totally fine and i think that's the thing i think i think some people are a little more bullish on florida state even though they also I mean, you know, even though, you know, they, they also, as you said, they lost to, to Clemson. They, they didn't have a spotless record themselves. But it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to get a real good look at Florida State again at the beginning of the season because they're going to be playing LSU again. And obviously last year's opener between those two, no one really knew what was in store um, under Brian Kelly's first year and, and whether Florida State was going to come back into where they were. And then obviously we saw how the season panned out. So I think that's... Uh, if if Florida State can't beat, I mean, if Florida State isn't where people are hoping they're going to be or people are projecting them to be, I mean, it's going to be Clemson's to lose. Now, whether they go all the way to the CFB and into the championship game, that's, you know, certainly they're in a position right now where if they had that kind of a breakthrough season, 
I don't think people would be complete. It wouldn't be like TCU last season where, oh my God, how did they get to the championship game? You know, but it would be, it would be a little bit more surprising. I would probably pick several other teams to be more, more likely candidates. But I mean, I think Clemson's going to start far enough up in the, the preseason rankings to, to climb up if it just wins. And I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. But they also have a pretty good, I mean, gosh, they have, it's pretty much going to be it until. We get to the, I mean, I don't foresee, I don't think Duke's, Duke isn't terrible, but I mean, I'm not thinking Duke's going to be a huge challenge, but I mean, you know, it should be a pretty straightforward run until that showdown with Florida State. And uh, we'll see if Florida State can make it there themselves undefeated, but that, gosh, that fourth weekend in, it's not the fourth weekend, it's a five week in September. I totally didn't realize that. Um, that fourth week uh, game with Florida State, uh, at Clemson is going to be, I think, a big deciding factor. That's almost going to be a potential game day, but I don't know what else is on that day for the record. But I can see why they, I can see why they're they're getting all that favor, you know, because again, you've got, um, you've got a solid QB. The Will Shipley question is interesting. I admit I'm not as in depth in knowledge in terms of the running back uh, stable right now at Clemson. Um, but anytime you can work two running backs that, that complement each other, it's never a bad thing. So, I mean, I'll, well, I'll defer say, to you on that. Well, one is a game breaker. Shipley's a game breaker and he can go for, you know, 25, 45 yard run to the end zone. But Mafa, it, you know, this could be a product of last year having, Uyangale and the streeter offense that I mean is gone now that uh, uh, we needed the type of guy that Maffa is, and Maffa is a four yards straight up the middle type of guy. But the thing is, you know, four yards straight up the middle will get you a first down every three times you do it. And so that's what I really loved about Maffa's game. And I, I, I was very glad there were rumors that he was in the portal, but he's not in the portal. He's coming back for another year. He seems like the ultimate teammate. He does not mind being behind Shipley, even though I think he should be above Shipley. And the the other thing is just, yeah, like I was I was curious what you thought about our receiving core and, and our defense coming back. Well, ultimately, I think Clemson's got what it takes to to win out in the in the ACC. I, I think that what if they can get past that 23rd game with Florida State, it should be they would be the favorites. Now, the offense, I think, is their strength um, uh, overall. But, uh, I mean, I think there's no reason why Clemson can't can't stay in all of those games and, and be dominant on both sides of the ball. I, I, I just it, it's hard for me not to not to see that as a possibility. Um and by the way, I just have to say, I love the way you just described those two running backs. I was like, huh, so it's thunder and lightning rideau, you know? I it, mean, it, uh, no, it really, it really is. And like, we used Shipley as the primary back last year, and then Moffa as a little bit of a hammer home guy. But I would almost rather see it flipped, where Moffa is the guy who loves the mail, and then Shipley is kind of the game breaker when defenses get worn down. Uh, you know, the linebackers are getting a little soggy and everything like that. He can make his moves. That makes sense. I think that that's a very sensible thing. How do you think things are going to look with Garrett Riley, though? I mean, calling the plays. Definitely a little pass happy. Um, 
but that exactly what I said, you know, I, I don't know about our receiving core right now, you know, uh, uh, Randall had an amazing year. I, I really hope that Bo Collins is back as he is. And, um, Williams, Williams had an amazing year as well. We don't really have a, a tight end. And the thing that people forget, and uh, you know, I'm not going to take anything from the two quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, that were the two Clemson legends, but they had Mike Williams, Deion Kane, Ray Ray McLeod, Justin Ross, T. Higgins, uh, Jordan Leggett, uh, it, just a, a litany of receivers that went on to do big things in the NFL or just were huge in the ACC. Like people that were not, be, you know, people that NC State couldn't cover, for instance. And now, like, I really don't know what exactly this this receiving core can do. And that's what concerns me with with and the good thing is like with streeter's offense streeter was doing a lot of streaks and a lot of throwing out to the flat where the talent has to be there if you're going to break one but with riley i do think that throwing in the middle of the field and doing a couple like six seven yard outs is kind of our bread and butter right now as much as that stinks uh, Will Taylor, who is an incredible baseball player right now for the Clemson baseball team, he is uh, going to be our slot guy, like potentially the 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 Renfro of it all. So I am excited about that, but overall, just uh, I've been duped the past couple of years, and I have a little trepidation when it comes to our offense and. You know, so that's what it is. And a little trepidation when it comes to our defense, just because yeah, the defense should be stronger, though. You guys are returning like eight and, you know, it should just inherently be a stronger defense when they have the more experience in there, you right. know, behind but, the group. And, just, you know, I was promised the Murphy and Breezy thing and uh, it, neither of them ever really came healthier to fruition. And I do think that 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 the team actually will be stronger this year on that side of the ball, but here you go. So it's absolutely man. Well, thanks for joining. It was a great start. It's good to talk some Clemson football. I think we're looking forward to seeing how they do. And I think, I think they are going to, they have the real potential to win out. And I think because that those fans getting the real hype train, because it's, it's always been a, yeah, no, I understand. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I got to go watch the Denver Nuggets. I think I switched back. All right. Um, hey, Thack, are you, are you here? Are you able to hear me? <laughs> that was kind of surreal there for a second. My yeah. phone kind of did a weird hiccup while I was in the middle of talking. <laughs> You're good now, Bob. Uh, man, kind of, a, kind of a weird slow news week. Uh, biggest, biggest uh, I think, story obviously coming out, the uh, – gambling allegations at a couple schools uh iowa alabama uh iowa state uh i think uh iowa fans and i I say this has lived there and uh live in a house with a current iowa student uh uh or uh, living uh, with a family with a current iowa student and a former graduate uh 
I think they wish that Brian Ferentz would get caught up in this whole mess. <laughs> I saw an AI-generated Kirk Ferentz interview talking about how his son Brian was definitely not caught in these gambling allegations. So maybe that's <laughs> one, one good use for AI. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Another interesting thing, uh, Chris Marshall out of the SEC, Ole Miss wide receiver, uh, generally target number one, I believe, last season – was dismissed dismissed for the t- dismissed for a violation of team rules. Relatively, yeah, I, I saw don't think that. We've heard what specific rules he might? Yeah, have it broken. hasn't been it hasn't been clear what he violated, but it seems like a lot of the uh, those Texas A and M fans who saw him depart weren't entirely shocked um, because he didn't even make it a year, <laughs> I believe, at Ole Miss before he he, he transferred out. So. That that's what right. you know. It, it's a shame to see someone with just a tremendous amount of athletic talent seem to have uh, some problem clicking. And I mean, I'm not sure what's going on, so I'm not gonna. But yeah. but with two programs that quickly, you get kind of a little worried. And you know, I always tell like you know, I I teach sometimes, and uh, I always tell people it's like every step of the way, you always gotta think it's like you might have been the superstar talent in high school. And you will be in college. I mean, you might be projected to be so in college, but if you don't have the attitude, I mean, they're not going to just hand it to you, especially at some of these programs where there's a bunch of kids who were really talented before. It's it's a big loss for the Ole Miss team, too. I know that they're looking for a couple more uh, solid receiving core to back up Jackson Dart. Obviously, I think they're probably going to be at this point a run pretty run-heavy offense with Judkins in the backfield. So uh, I, I think it's going to be difficult to get uh, uh, get the wide receiver room going uh, in Ole Miss. Although something interesting, too, uh, as much as I don't uh, really like the state of Kansas, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, Kansas State head football coach uh, Chris Kleiman, I believe is his last name. Yeah, he's got a he's huge a bonus coming to him. $4 million contract. Yeah. I think they're in over uh, 10 or 8 seasons. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, what's your opinion on, on that and Kansas State football going forward? It looks like they're in a pretty good spot. Well, I think they were. I think it's funny, too, because, I mean, they hired him. He was obviously a terrific head coach at North Dakota State. Um, you know, took over a program that was a championship program and continued to keep it at a championship level. But at the same time, I can kind of see why, you know, when you're when you're pulling a guy from there, it's not quite because, I mean, um, Wyoming pulled his predecessor and they're doing fine for Wyoming, but it's not like they became a Mountain West cha- uh, perennial champion. So there was a little bit of hesitation when you hire somebody from the same program. Will they click? With does what work? What works in Fargo work at a Big Twelve school? And there was a little bit of a slow start. I mean, it didn't exactly immediately the Wildcats didn't immediately become terrific, but they showed a lot of great signs last season. And, and in that kind of progress that you hope to see when you hire a head coach and see that incrementally get better. So I think now that they've had some time with him, they're seeing yeah he, he's worth it. And I mean they're not dumb if he keeps winning at the level he's winning at Kansas State. Somebody else is going to grab him who can afford to pay him a lot more in probably one of the two now super conferences, uh, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten money will come calling for him. So I think it made sense to to give him that. I think it makes sense to to buy into him and and, uh, and show that you believe in him if you're Kansas State because, you know, 
they have a history of, of keeping coaches for an awful long time. So if you can, if you can keep them there, you know, he, he knows they'll keep them as long as he, as long as they want, you know? So I, I think it's a great one. And I hope, um, I mean, for the, I'm sure a lot of K-State fans are hoping that they keep winning out and I, and I hope they do. I think that's going to be a real exciting one. You know, I was just thinking about you, Thack. I was reading an article, I mean, just sort of a conversation on our CFB, which was someone was kind of, um, joking a little bit but said a nebraska fan said this is for oklahoma fans when people tell them they will suck in the sec and the point they make is mizzou won more in their first three years in the sec than they did in their final three years of the big 12 including 112 and 111 win season in those three years in the entire history of mizzou football they have hit 11 or more wins three times and two of the and two of those have been in the sec right after hitting the primary right after leaving the big 12. And then they counterpoint that Texas A&M has gone 48 and 41 in conference in the 11 years they have been in the sec. And they went 41 and 48 in their last 11 years of conference play in the big 12. So, and they had a higher ceiling and higher recruiting than they ever had in the big 12. So I, I was thinking of you when I read that um, about the success of Mizzou <laughs> in the sec. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. It was uh, definitely surprising for me. Somebody posted a, a, a like a highlight clip of when Johnny Manziel came in. Uh, the, the it was one of the last games of the season, and I think in that 2013 season. Um, and uh, man, the the energy and the atmosphere in Columbia was was electric around that time. I mean, it was all anybody could talk about. It was a weird weird year for that that uh, the SEC. Um, without a doubt, uh, with, you know, you have Johnny football and, uh, it, it was, it was the culmination of, uh, Gary Pinkle really, I think is, is developing his guys, J Mac, uh, Chase Daniel, obviously the greatest NFL backup of all time, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. It was interesting. And, uh, man, I, I'd like to get back there one day, but I, I know that it would only ever happen if certain conditions met. And that would be if the sec sort of imploded on itself, uh, a lot of teams having rough years. And I just don't quite see that in the future. So, and, and that's why a lot of, a lot of Mizzou fans will get mad at me saying, well, you know, I wish we would have kicked it around in the big 12 a little bit longer or even kicked it around in the big 12 from a fan perspective. Um, I, I think it would be, uh, less heartbreaking to watch. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, I think for when we're talking about the expanded playoff, because that kind of comes up now somewhat regularly and trying to figure out why teams may or may not move um, when when the amount of money isn't as enormous as it would be like in the Big Ten or the, the SEC. I think at the same time when you're expanding, yeah, sure, the sixth conference, the top-ranked conferences, uh, champions, conference champions, so that implies one of the G5, but could theoretically be more than one if we have a really bad uh, P5 champ um, in one of those conferences. The rest of those spots seem to be open to some of the more successful at-large teams, which will probably be, you know, an independent possibly, or some of the top teams from the, the super conferences. So I think, and you know, a Mizzou or team at that level in the SEC where it's not quite, you know, it's not Georgia, it's not Alabama, but it still can compete and can have that occasional year where it really pounds it out. They would have a chance, I think, of being an at-large in that circumstance where really, unless you could go into the SEC title game and, you know, beat the other team, whoever ends up being there, 
um, it gives I think it gives teams like Mizzou more actually oddly enough more of a shot at uh, at at winning a national championship um, without having to hope for like Nick Saban walking through the door. Um, <laughs> yeah, that I, that's that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Uh, I guess uh, to circle back and respond to uh, uh, the original RCFB post, I think. Oklahoma and Texas are walking into an SEC that's a lot different than than when Texas A&M and Mizzou walked in. And uh, I think without a doubt, it's going to be especially a challenge uh, for Oklahoma, who seems to, uh, after the Lincoln-Riley departure, seems to have uh, not stagnated, but definitely uh, taken a step back and where they need to reassess. I think it's the SEC looks a lot different um, than it did. Than it did a decade well, ago. he's had one year at the helm, so we'll give him we'll give him a little more time. You know, I just I have to honor this this request that came in. Um, Jordan Lyles is in the audience. Uh, asked, "Hey guys, first time caller, long time listener, who is going to win the national title this season, and why will it be UMass?" Uh, I'll hang up and listen. So, what, what do we think, the Minutemen? So, here's what I'm thinking. Well, first of all, you know, in, in a few months, we'll be saying, well, I still can't believe that Meteor managed to destroy so much of the U.S. but spare Boston. Or at least not Boston, but, you know, the state of Massachusetts. But the, the de facto title game of UMass versus B.C. seems really exciting. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, B.C. will somehow get into yet another gambling scandal because we know that they've got a history of those. And they'll get kicked out. So by default, the UMass Minutemen will be your 2023 national champions. And they will be just thrilled. Um, and then they'll proceed probably drop football because it would just be some sort of sweet irony. Um, <laughs> quit while you're ahead. <laughs> Raise the banner. Raise the banner. But uh, I, I had to tackle that, that question that appeared in one of the replies. So that's, that's our prediction for how UMass would win the national championship. Um, you know, there's uh, one other thing, by the way, and, and we're kind of touching a little bit on Texas A&M. Some, one of the other kind of posts that appeared on RCFB, and I love these whenever they pop up on calendar dates. Uh, a few days ago uh, was a Sunday was, uh, of course, May 7th, 5-7. So they said, happy National Texas A&M Day, everybody, to, uh, to honor the 5-7 record that the uh, Aggies had last year. You know, I've, that's one of my favorite. Gosh, I mean, was it Bo Pelini Day was August 4th? Isn't that what traditionally it was, 12-4? Oh, pardon me, 8-4. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really wish. Um, gosh, and I remember one time, and I'm not going to say who the reporter was, but we used to have a little bit of fun. I can't remember which head coach it was. I think it was Mike Bobo at Colorado State. And we tweeted out a few times. I think it was um, – I, I was just literally prepping for Mountain West Media Day. And I was looking at, you know, the Phil Steele guide. You see the, the last however many seasons in front of you. And he had gone like seven and six, seven and six, seven and six. So we did a happy, you know, Mike Bobo day. And one of the, the beat writers, I'm not going to say who it was, came up to me at media days like, I wish I could make that tweet. That was, <laughs> that was too funny. But, you know, they, they, gotta, they, they actually have to see the coach, you know, on a regular basis. So I can get why he didn't want to do that. But, um, yeah, so a lot of folks do miss that August 4th date. I think, Bo, yes, Bo Pelini Day was 9-4. That was it. It was 9-4. Um, and Scott Frost Day was, of course, in March. So uh, <laughs> um, there you go. But uh, 
Again, I just want to remind you, if you want to join us and talk college football, any topic, just hit request. We'll let you up here. Um, I'm trying to let people up one at a time only because, and I had it happen earlier, and luckily I was able to recover. Sometimes if I have somebody holding for a while, if I, if I let somebody up and they don't talk, the, um, the system just won't let me uh, uh, I won't hear you, and then I have to reset my connection. So um, it's just this kind of weird twerk with Twitter spaces that appeared in the last several months, but we've been able to get around it and just holding off until that. I actually didn't even hear the first part of what Dak was talking about, but I jumped in <laughs> just to, to figure out what he was saying, and, and then there you go. So there you go. There's from behind the curtain. Because, um, of course, you're talking about what's going on with Iowa, and that's – that's interesting. I mean, I mean, the latest what's the latest headline is ahead of their Iowa Gaming Commission is no evidence that the any of the actual games were compromised. They're not saying that there wasn't any uh, gambling involvement, but they're saying none of that actually appears to have um, affected any games so far as they can see. I don't know when's the last time some people were actually trying to affect a football game. There's been a couple of hoops games. I remember, um, you know, Auburn had the men's basketball. I think it was you have to go back almost 20 years to Toledo there might have been an attempt to to influence the game yeah back oh yeah well I, I was just gonna say it kind of blows my mind that you know it would be it would be pretty absurd if they were you know fixing matches what it sounds like happening is is kids uh, uh ended up uh gambling on on sort of something um uh anything NCAA kind of blows my mind that we kind of even have to discuss that. I remember last year there was an, uh, it was last year, two years ago, there was an NFL player that had uh, gotten busted for gambling on NFL games and people were sort of defending him. Uh, he got a one year, one year ban or something like that. I'm like, this is crazy how you play your, it, it, it seems like common sense, but uh, I guess when you've got thousands of kids in division one FBS that there's, there's going to be some numb nuts. And certainly, I wonder how much of that was because of what happened with Alabama baseball, and, and then obviously they fired their head coach over um, some involvement. I don't know if the, if the details have fully been revealed, but I think that definitely got a lot of programs paying extra attention. Uh, one thing, uh, one of the things that the takeaways I thought, especially that came up, I believe, when we were talking about the Alabama situation with Alabama baseball, was the system worked in that they noticed there was some really weird bet in Cincinnati. And then the systems that are designed to kind of, I guess, pay attention to the numbers and what, what isn't expected picked up on that. They kind of, you know, ran it up the ladder to uh, whatever governing body or at least policing body that, that sort of scans these things. And from there, they were able to find it. So um, I wonder if that's, you know, I don't want to say it's on AI because I don't, it's not like we're letting ChatGPT figure this out. Who's gambling ChatGPT? Only we're that easy. But uh but I think it's easier then to, to figure it out. But yeah, I'm it's I'm sensing it was just like they should know better than you can't gamble on the you know uh, if you're a college athlete you can't necessarily gamble on college athletics. But um, it'll be interesting to see how that comes out. But it's really awkward because you have two rival schools that are deeply involved. It's almost like a weird competition for them to see how many players who got the most players involved all together because there's like 41 between them. Um, which is just a mess. You, you feel for him, but it's nothing as bad as what was going on at uh, you know point shaving scandals in basketball and things like that. It just seems to be as as you said, you know, guys know better than this. Don't do that. Um, and and hopefully uh, nothing too serious uh, happened there. And and it'll be a teaching moment for uh, some other you know sports 
uh, college sports athletes out there that, you know, hey, you're in college and there are, they do have, you know, regardless of what happens, whether regardless of you become employees in some future or you get a deal, they still have, you know, some pretty strong control over you um, in certain things. And, and even in the pros, if you're a person heading into the pros, as you just pointed out, that they can, they can punish you just the same um, for doing things that could uh, affect the game. You know, one other thing I wanted to mention, too, um, again, we kind of run these for about 30 minutes, but we can be a little loosey-goosey on time. Uh, there was an interesting post, because I've been, I've been kind of boosting the, the Big 12 a little bit, only because I like what Brett Yarmark's doing. I, I like the fact that you got a guy who was in the NBA for so many years as a, as a team president of the Nets, was in entertainment, and the ideas that keep coming out of there are always interesting. Because, I mean, last week we were talking about the fact that now the Big 12 wants to play a regular game in Mexico to kind of diversify that. Uh, I believe in Monterey for uh, football and then hoops in Mexico City. But uh, one of the things that struck me is they are also now talking about things like modernizing the broadcasts and uh, miking up coaches for, uh, I, I assume, before the game and uh, giving some pre- and post-game locker room access. But here's one, and I've seen this at the college level, but not in the United States. They want to do live in-game interviews. And it sounds weird, but if you've ever seen it, like every now and again, we and unfortunately they don't put them for free online, which is so stupid because I'm not paying to watch college football in Canada. I'm sorry. But for a while it was free to watch college football in Canada, and it would be on like an odd time on a Friday. And you just watch in the middle of the game, they're like, hey, you know, there'd be this reporter talking to the running back. You just had a great play there. What's it like? It's like, oh, you know, it's cold. It's Canada. So it's like, oh, it's cold. It's not bothering me. Yeah, that'd be cute. It'd be funny. So, you know, I, I'm kind of for it. I'd be, I'd be curious to see him try to do something like that. But I know, you know, certainly traditionalists aren't thrilled with that. I know a lot of folks on our CFB were not necessarily fans of in-game interviews. But, yeah, it could be interesting. Zach, you wanted to add something. And I see our friend, uh, Quinn Sean, is him, is here, too. So maybe we can talk to him in a moment as well. What's up? Yeah, yeah. They so I, I watched. I, I'm from uh, live in St. Louis. Uh, I, I watched a lot of XFL. Oh, of course, yes, XFL. How did I forget that? First, yeah, the first iteration, uh, not the very first 2001 iteration, but the 2020 uh, before COVID got canceled. I remember I was watching the very first XFL game, the return, and the kicker missed a kick like wide left, and they went up and interviewed him right afterwards. And it was, it, I mean, it was, it was. It wasn't hilarious, but it was definitely must-see TV. Uh, the XFL has been doing the on-the-field interviews uh, ever since the very, very first iteration in 2001. It, it adds something to it. it. It's it's better filler than most networks, uh, I would say. Uh, the problem is you you get sort of sort of uh, 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 responses that are about what you yeah, expect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, either 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 players speak or things that are going to require that that delay on the broadcast <laughs> to, to let right. the censors come in. Um, but even then, we get those, you know, from audiences all the time. I, there, there have been some hilarious moments. I remember when Montana opened the season a few years ago, more than a few years ago, um, on some FCS game that opened up, you know, the broadcast. There were some hilarious but completely the offensive things that made it through uh, from those Montana fans, and, and I love the Grizz for that. That was that was a hilarious moment. Yeah, I want to before as we slowly and we're not in any rush to close up here. I want to I want to let up our friend Quinshawn is him. Um, love to hear what he has to say. Hey, Quinshawn is him. What's going on, man? I have a 
question. Who do you think can like be the best breakthrough player this year in college football? Wow, that's huh. Zach, do you have thoughts on this one? I'm uh, there's so many. I I do, and I think that I think he's Quishon uh, is going to love my answer uh, because I, honestly, I I think the at least in the SEC, the best breakthrough player that is going to be an absolute monster on the field, I believe, is Quishon Judkins. Uh, he had incredible production last year as a guy who's one year removed from high school football. Uh, I, I honestly, barring uh, hopefully no injuries or anything like that, uh, I think he's going to be one of the most explosive players uh, in the SEC. Um, I, I think it's going to be a run-heavy offense this year for uh, for Old Miss unless Jackson Dart can get pull magic out of the hat. So uh, I, I think you're going to see some really fun stuff, and uh, I promise I'm not pandering to uh, – to uh, Krishan is him here, but uh, I really love that. Play. Yeah, I noticed you know, he's catching some passes too at their spring game. So that that is a great sign for uh, for you know again a young man who's going to be a big part of that that offense. And you know Jackson Dart, you know I mean he's got a little competition behind him with those transfers from LSU and Oklahoma State, but I think he's still going to be it. <clears throat> I'd be curious to see who. I'm mean, I'm always curious for breakout players too. I always think, well, who is a real great you know, offensive weapon at, a, you know, like a wide receiver, who's going to be the person who's going to step up at a given program. So like at USC, Jordan Addison's gone now. So who's going to step up for him at Ohio state? They lost some incredible receivers. Granted, they're going to also have to have a new quarterback up there, but that's an offense. that's going to be able to, you know, to, to potentially do a whole lot with uh, there. There's no reason they can't just reload and throw things up there. Uh, Quinchon, did you want to add something? Um, um. Our one of our wide receivers got uh, kicked off the team. Yeah, we just we were just we talked about him at the earlier part. It sounds like he's just one. Of, I mean, because he he didn't last a year at Texas A and M as a, one of those five stars they pulled in, and now you know they haven't said why they kicked him off the team. But it sounds like when you get twice that quickly, and I mean he's got to have the ta- he's got the talent. So as we're, I was saying it's so sad to hear that because you hope he'll eventually you know, kind of uh, have that, you know, moment of clarity. But, yeah, I, I, we heard that, and it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, although I know there was a little bit of schadenfreude from the, the Texas A&M fans because they were like, look, he barely he didn't make it through a year here, um, so we're not shocked to hear that, that he, he bailed, or not bailed, pardon me, that's totally the wrong word, but, but got, you know, in trouble at Ole Miss. But we still don't know exactly what's going on there. Maybe he'll be able to. I don't know if he has a chance to work his way back or or what sort of arrangement they've made there, but yeah, that's that's definitely one of those unfortunate uh, pieces of news that popped up there out of Ole Miss um, this week, and and I think it was today, wasn't it? I mean, I know I read it really recently on that one, um, but yeah. So let's see here. You know, before we wrap up, I see one other person wants to come up here. I want to let you up. Say, so Micah, I'm going to let you up here in a second. Just feel free to hit on mute and love to hear your thoughts as we gradually wrap this up here on RCFB Talk uh, 138. The Chris Marshall thing was a uh, uh, Saturday. Oh, okay, yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Hey, Micah, what's going on? I liked. Can you hear me? I like just a little bit. Can you hear me now? No, 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 no. Yeah, it's a weird hiccup when you when you join a live talk. 
we don't i guess i didn't realize this until i was a guest on a talk like everyone who's listening is on a bit of a delay depending on how you connected and when you tuned in so that when you're actually led up to the stage you jump to real time and it, it feels like a lag or a weird hiccup when you come up here so don't worry i i, I having done it myself i get it so but anyway what's oh, going okay. on man i was just gonna uh say this i was i've not seen many people point this out so i'm not sure if you would know this do you know that there is one SEC team that has the most rushing yards returning in the league and the most passing yards and passing touchdowns returning in the league? I'm going to see if you knew who it was. Ooh. Boy. The same team has both, the most at running back and quarterback. Oh, let's – Thack, do you want to take a guess at this one? Because uh, I'm – Ooh. I, I... – <laughs> I'm waiting to hear it's someone we wouldn't expect like Vanderbilt, but but I'll let you tell us, Micah. It's actually Kentucky. Um, the running back is from Vandy and Ray Davis, um, and then Devin Leary from NC State has more um, passing yards and passing touchdowns than anybody else returning in the conference does. So I just thought that was interesting to see. I know not a lot of people pointed that out. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's a great. That's a good piece of info there, and it'll be fun to see how Kentucky does as it reloads heading into this upcoming season well i'm gonna go ahead and start wrapping this up we try to wrap these off-season ones up after about 30 minutes micah thanks for joining us thack quinshawn is him everyone who's joined us it's always a great chance to talk to you and then of course earlier talk about the potential success of umass football and the meteor that will help guide it to the uh 2023 national championship my name is Bob Akairi. This is our CFB Talk 138. We do these every Tuesday night. I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up here. Thanks for listening. Now I'm going to hang up and listen.